A man murdered a baby and he's being placed in a women's prison in the area where I live. The story I'm talking about today is not appropriate for children. Please do not have your kids listen. I sometimes try to tell horrible stories in a way that a child could listen without really understanding the horrible part of the story, but in today's story, I can't do that. It's so horrible and it's made me so angry. The only thing I can do is tell the story and then tell you how angry I am. But first, a little update on the podcast and what it's going to look like in December. This is actually going to be my last podcast for this year that will be dealing with the new stories of the week. Starting next week until the end of the year, I'm going to be posting my church history podcast here, and we're going to be looking at the history behind the carols. So if you haven't checked out my church history podcast, this is going to give you a chance to really hear some great stories. So why am I doing this? Well, two reasons. One, I have to listen to a lot of political commentary and read a lot of political blogs to do this podcast. And quite frankly, I just need a month of just listening to some happy things, and Christmas is a really good time for that. Second, I'm actually working on a story, and I was planning on doing that story this week, but I really want to find out as much information about the story as I can before I tell it, because it's actually pretty big. So while I will be spending less time on political sites, I am going to be spending time working on this particular story. All right, for today. Today I'm telling you the story about a man named Adam. According to Adam's own story, he murdered a three-year-old child when he was only 11 years old. He got away with that crime, and although he's in prison today, he's never been arrested for the death of the three-year-old, even though he has admitted to the killing. He's in prison, though, for a crime he committed when he was 17 years old in the year 2000, and he was living in British Columbia at the time. At the age of 17, Adam raped a three-month-old baby boy. Adam then mutilated himself and ate his own flesh. The baby was so badly injured by this rape, it almost died. The baby had to have multiple reconstruction surgery, but did end up surviving. Adam was not only sentenced to life in prison, he was also the youngest person in Canada to have the label dangerous offender. Adam, in prison, made money by offering himself as a prostitute. But then Adam suddenly changed his name to Tara. He had his penis removed and then had a double D breast implants. All paid for by your tax dollars. Now, at age 36, Adam is being sent to the women's prison in Kitchener, Ontario. And he's not the only man moving into this women's prison. Matthew Harks, who's a serial pedophile, Tara, a serial sex offender, Fallon, a contract killer, and John, a murderer, all coming to the women's prison in Kitchener. Now, women's only prisons are something we take for granted, but that's because most of us don't know the history of how we got our women's prisons and why it is essential that women have separate prisons. So here is that history. In 1835, three women arrived in the Kingston Penitentiary, Susan Turner, Hannah Downs, and Hannah Baglin, all serving one to two years for larceny. 
They were first forced to stay in the hospital area, and then eventually an area in the prison was made for them. It was in the basement of the prison. Over the years, more women were placed in prison with them, and the area was overcrowded. Some of the women came to prison pregnant and had to give birth in the prison. In 1889, the prison was inspected by a man named James G. Molin, who said, and I'm quoting here, I have always considered this portion of the penitentiary unfit for the use that it's made for. Apart from its objective proximity to the male prisons, the cells being underground in a gloomy compartment is sufficient cause for recommending a change. But no change would come for the next 20 years. Women prisoners were kept in the basement of the male prisons, full of bugs and extremely cold. Finally, in 1909, it was decided that a new wing of the prison would be built, so the women would have their own wing, still in the men's prison, but at least not in the basement. The building wouldn't be completed until 1913, 24 years after the inspector called for a change. In the new northwest cell block, there were 32 single occupant cells and two sick bay cells. Still, the women were calling for a new prison, separate from the male prisons, and it wasn't until 1934, 99 years after the first female prisoner had arrived in the male prisons. So why do women need separate prisons? Besides the fact that men in prison are dangerous and it's clearly not a safe place for a woman to be, women in prison have different needs. Here are some facts from women's prisons in Canada. There is around 676 women in custody in Canadian prisons. And 133 of them are serving life sentences. 40% of them are Indigenous women. Of all of these women, 200 of them are in the Kitchener prison, and that's about to let in a group of men. There's a very high percentage that have substance abuse and mental health problems, and most of them have a history of being physically and sexually abused. Women's prisons have visiting areas for children to come and spend time with their mothers, and most of the women in prison are there for non-violent crimes. Heather Mason is a woman in the Kitchener prison, and she's speaking out about the fear the women have about these men coming into their prisons. These men have a history of sexually assaulting women and of violence. The women prisoners are afraid of what these men are going to do. And there's at least 12 more on a list that will be coming in the near future. Men who assault and rape women and children should not be allowed to be around women and children. This is part of the reason that they're locked up not just as a punishment, but for the safety of the people they could hurt. Should the women in prison not be allowed to be protected as well? Here's the crazy thing. They tried this before in the Kingston Women's Prison before it closed down. However, it went really bad. Women were getting pregnant, and the whole social dynamic in the prison was a mess. Program was ended, and the CSC, the government program in charge of women's prisons, said it just wasn't working. Then came Trudeau. In June 17, 2017, Justin Trudeau passed the Bill C-16, the one that makes it a crime to misgender people. And just like that, the women's prisons had to allow men into the women's prison. So Kitchener Women's Prison is basically just a co-ed prison now, with people just pretending that the men are women. All right, I want to talk to you about why this makes me so angry. I want to talk to you a little bit about the trans agenda in general and how it impacts women, and why the feminist movement accepting this trans agenda proves that they don't actually care about women's rights. 
First, the word woman is being replaced. We can't say pregnant woman anymore. It's pregnant people because apparently men can get pregnant now. Just an FYI, they still can't. Women who call themselves men can get pregnant. Still, the word woman is literally being erased. So we can't say trans woman because they just want to be called woman. However, they have invented a name for biological women. We're now cis women. That is a woman who knows she's a woman. So the word woman is easily erased completely, or it has to be changed to this new cis woman word. Not only has the name woman been erased, but the work women have done over the last 100 years to create spaces for women is also being erased. Men are now in our prisons, our bathrooms, our locker rooms, our shelters, and competing against us in sports. And if you dare complain about that, then you're a bigot. You'll be kicked off social media platforms, and in Britain, you'll be visited by the police. Yes, in Britain, women have been forced to get lawyers and face possible criminal charges for saying on Twitter that men can't be women. So us women must not think for ourselves. We must submit to the men who want access to our female spaces, and anything that looks like we might not be submitting is quickly becoming illegal. And we're now teaching our young girls to not trust their instincts. The female intuition, which has kept women alive for years, and now our girls in schools are being taught to ignore it, to ignore that voice that tells them if they're unsafe because that voice is bigotry. I'm in a parenting forum, and one day a woman wrote that her daughter had been at the swimming pool and a boy had gone into the girl's change room and was watching the girls undress. When they told him to leave, he said he identified as a girl. The mom on the forum was asked, what she should tell her daughter to do if it happens again. Her daughter and friends really felt uncomfortable and they didn't know what to do. Every single reply was in the vein of telling her daughter that there was no boy in the change room. If the boy identified as a girl, then there was only girls in the change room. The mother was being told to teach her daughter to submit, ignore her gut feelings of being unsafe, and just undress while a boy watches her. That's feminism today, ladies and gentlemen. And the other thing we're told over and over again is to just be kind. We should just be kind to the trans. I mean, that man thinks he's a woman, so we should just give up everything. We should just submit to him. We should just give up our free spaces. We should just be fine with feeling unsafe because that's the kind thing to do. When did feminism turn into that? When did we tell girls and women, it doesn't matter if you feel unsafe. You must submit and be kind and just stop talking. Today I was driving home and it was really icy and I came across a car that was in the ditch. I drove by really slowly and I noticed there was a woman alone in the car. So I pulled over. As I did, another car pulled over and a man asked if she was okay. The woman gave him a thumbs up and so he left. But I went over to her window and asked if she was okay. Her husband was on the way, but she didn't feel safe waiting in her car. So I asked if she wanted to sit in my car and wait and she did. So she waved on the man who wanted to help and gladly received my help. Why? Because as women, we know that we are vulnerable with men. They're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. And it would be safer to be in a car that just crashed than to get in a car with a strange man. But we feel safe with each other. And that's why we have created spaces that are just for women. So why am I against the trans agenda? Well, I have four daughters. And I'm not going to teach them just submit to men, ignore their gut feelings when it comes to safety, erase the word woman from their vocabulary, all in a way to be kind. 
Maybe I'm an actual feminist, as opposed to the idiots using that term today. All right, so today I really just talked about this one story and why it's making me angry. And for the rest of December, we're just going to have happy posts and great stories on the history of our carols. And we're going to come back for a New Year's Eve one. And that one's going to be talking about all of the terror attacks that happened in Canada that you knew nothing about over the course of this year. And then I'm working on another story that's going to be for in January. So stay tuned for all of those. Please, in the meantime, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss the New Year's Eve podcast coming. And then another one's coming in January. And check out my church history podcasts. All right. For more blogs and for more videos and more podcasts, go to lauraleesiemens.com. I'll see you next week for Christmas carols.